بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وألحقنا بعبادك الصالحين أما بعد الحمد لله We were still reciting and completed tonight Surah Al-Baqarah which we said starts from the first bara and ends in the third para. Amongst the verses which were recited, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala defines what piety is, nobility and obedience to Allah. Before this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had instructed the mu'mineen in last night's recitation to change the direction of their salah from Masjid al-Aqsa towards the, the Kaaba. And Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the true piety is, doesn't depend on where your face is facing, which direction you are facing, but it is your submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Piety is to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the day of Qiyamah, وَالْمَلَائِكَةِ وَالْكِتَابِ وَالنَّبِيِّينَ And to believe in the malaika, the existence of the malaika, that this is a special creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which Allah has created from nur. And the scriptures which were, which were revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the anbiya alayhimu salam. This is part of our iman. What we learn in the maktab when we are small, imani mufassal amantu billahi wa malaikatihi wa kutubihi wa rusulihi wal yawmil akhir. This is... The essential part of our iman. This is, these are integral parts of our iman. Any one of them, if they are defective, or it is left wanting, that will mean that our iman is incomplete and defective. So it might have been something we learned in a maktab when we were small, but we require it till the day we die. Iman in Allah, amantu billahi wa malaikatihi, the malaika of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some people assume that malaika are like fairies and it's like a fairy tale. But in reality, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned them and described them in the Qur'an. Sayyidina Jibreel, Sayyidina Mikael, Israfil, Malakul Maut, these are malaika that Rasulullah sallallahu spoke about and they are mentioned in the Qur'an as well. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has instructed us to develop this type of iman. Iman in Allah, wa malaikatihi, wa kutubihi, the scriptures, wa rusulihi, the messengers, wal yawmil akhir, in the day of qiyamah, and also in taqdeer, wal qadri khayrihi, wa sharrihi min Allah ta'ala. Would it be good or bad which comes to us? It is with the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to be resurrected on the day of Qiyamah. This is part of the integral, integrals of our Iman. So in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions some, some of these points. Iman in Allah and the Malaika, the day of Qiyamah, the Kitab and the Nabiyyin. And also then, to spend from the wealth that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you with loving that wealth. One is that a person has got some wealth, and this in fact is mentioned in another verse in the third bara which we recited tonight. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu, anfiqu min tayyibati ma razaqnaakum. Spend from the pure of that, ma kasabatum wa mimma akhrajna lakum min al-ard, the pure of that which you have earned. Wala tayammamu al-khabitha minhu tunfiquna wa lastum bi-akhidih. And do not intend spending that which is so impure and so insignificant that you wouldn't be prepared to accept it. So something, you say, okay, Moana, I've got some interest now, can I give it to the masjid? 
I've got some interest, can I give it to this widow? I've got some interest. So you've got the haram that you've accumulated and now you're asking some dispensation or concession for it to be given in, a, in an avenue where you yourself would not be prepared to accept. So this is something very important. It's a sign of our iman that we, a person spends from his wealth happily. That when I'm spending, I'm not doing that person a favor, but I'm doing myself a favor. If there was no person worthy of accepting zakah, there was no avenue to, in which we could discharge our zakah, then how would we fulfill this injunction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So this is one of the verses which were recited. Thereafter, the verse of psalm and fasting and the virtue of the month of Ramadan, shahru Ramadan alladhi unzila fihi al-Qur'an, in which the Qur'an was revealed and the revelation of the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed the entire scripture of the Qur'an on what is called al-lawh al-mahfuz, the preserved tablet. And on the night of Laylatul Qadr, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed it all at once to Sama'ud dunya, the, the sky of this dunya. Above the Kaaba, in the first heaven, there is a structure around which the Malaika make tawaf, and it is called Baytul Izzah. And this is the, the, the structure of honor. And this is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the entire Quran on Laylatul Qadr. Then over a period of 23 years, it was revealed upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the virtue of this month is also enhanced with the recitation of the Qur'an, which is so important for us to ensure that this month becomes a month of the recitation of Qur'an, abundant recitation. The scholars of the past, like Imam Malik, rahimahullah, who was the Imam of Medina Munawwara, and he was known for his discourse on hadith. In the month of Ramadan, he would close the lesson and the dars of hadith, and he would only spend time with the recitation of the Qur'an. So the recitation of the Qur'an in the month of Ramadan is something very, very special. Imam al-Shafi'i, rahimahullah, Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, these great scholars in the month of Ramadan would recite 60 to 70 khatams, one in the day, one at night, and, and sometimes in between, uh, if they have extra time, add another khatam. Abundant recitation of Quran, respected brothers, is not just an amal, but it is an investment in the akhirah. Sayyidina Abu Dhar al-Ghifari radiallahu an said to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Rasulullah, awsini, O Nabi of Allah, give me advice. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Alayka uh, bidhikrillah, adopt the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he said, Zidni ya Rasulullah, give me more advice, O Nabi of Allah. He said, Alayka bitilawati al-Quran. Adopt the recitation of the Qur'an. It will be a means of illumination and nur for you in this dunya, and it will be an investment for you in the akhirah. And what type of investment? Sayyidina Abu Dhar radiallahu in an authentic hadith, it is mentioned that Rasulullah was sitting with Sayyidina Jibreel alayhi salam who arrived to present some revelation or message to Rasulullah But he came... One of the methods of revelation was Jibreel alayhi salam coming in the form of a human being. And very often he would come in the form of a sahabi whose name was Sayyidina Dihya al-Kalbi radiallahu So Abu Sayyidina Jibreel alayhi salam is sitting next to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The sahabi that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam told to recite the Quran abundantly, he passes by Sayyidina Abu Dhar and he notices them speaking and he did not want to inter- interfere or d- disturb them so he passes by without saying anything. So Sayyidina Jibreel alayhi salam says to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa There's Abu Dhar going past us. And he had, had he made salam, I would have responded to his salam. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said to Sayyidina Jibreel alayhi salam, 
Do you know Abu Dhar? You from the Malaika? Do you know Abu Dhar? So Jibreel alayhi salam said, He is more famous in the heavens than he is here. Maybe if some people don't know him, even in the Ummah today you say Abu Dhar, many people do not know who Sayyidina Abu Dhar radiallahu He was a Sahabi, and perhaps I'll just touch on his life briefly in a few minutes and conclude inshallah. So Sayyidina Abu Dhar radiallahu was a very uh, a quiet Sahabi who didn't like to mix much. He was very much to himself. And he had personal views in certain secondary matters of, of Masail, which he didn't agree with the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. He had a particular view, and this is a lesson for us, that many times there might be differences of opinion in secondary matters of deen, but it doesn't mean that any person's status is dropped. So Sayyidina Abu Dhar radiallahu anhum, his opinion, and it was actually an opinion based on his, his scrupulous nature and his piety. He was of the opinion that you, it is not permissible for you to save any money for tomorrow. So if you've got something today, you must give it in sadaqah and go and sleep. If you've got any food, take that food and give it as sadaqah. You don't have anything. Tomorrow Allah will provide. This was his personal. And this was his attachment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which made him do this particular uh, practice. And this was not uh, the, the practice of the general sahaba. Nor did Rasulullah sallallahu instruct us to do this. Because if that was the case, then there wouldn't be zakat that you give after one year passes over your wealth. If a person wasn't allowed to keep anything for tomorrow, then how is one year going to pass in order for him to discharge zakat? So generally the view of all the sahaba was different to his view. But he was very particular that, that people shouldn't hoard their wealth and they should spend on, on the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the creation of Allah. And eventually... He, Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu anhu told him, it might be better for you because whichever area he went to, if he had to, if he was asked for advice, he would stand up and give the same talk. That don't keep anything for tomorrow. Now people became a bit uh, uneasy. He would recite the verse, Those people who hoard gold and silver, and they don't spend it in the way of Allah, it'll be a severe punishment on them. And they will be branded and their backs and their sides will be burnt on the day of Qiyamah. The, the Sahaba radiallahu anhu's view was that these verses refer to a person who doesn't discharge zakah at all. But Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu for himself, he regarded it to be something more important. So uh, Sayyidina Uthman told him, Abu Dhar, we've got a place, there's a farm outside Medina Munawwara in an area called Rabada. So he went to live there with his wife and his daughter. He thought, you know, these people don't listen to my bayan, let me rather move on my own. And I won't have any conflict with anyone. So he falls ill and he's about to pass away. And he, he tells his, his wife, he's worried now, what's going to happen? And this happened also in the beginning of Dhul Hijjah, the beginning of the month of Hajj. So all those people from Medina Munawwara who were going to Mecca for Hajj, they had to pass by Rabada, but the Hujjaj had already left, so nobody was, in, going to, was planning to come to that particular area. So his wife was worried that if he passes away, who's going to do his janazah? So she said to him, what's going to happen? So he told her, don't worry. Ma kadabtu wa ma kuzibtu. I was not lied to. I'm not speaking a lie. No was a lie spoken to me. So she said, what are you referring to? So he says that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to me in one particular gathering, he said to a gathering in which I was present, he said, يَعِيشُ أَحَدُكُمْ وَحِيدًا وَيَمُوتُ وَحِيدًا وَيُصَلِّ عَلَيْهِ طَائِفَةٌ مِّنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ There's somebody amongst you who's going to be a very lonely person in his life, and he's going to die alone, but a group of believers will perform his salatul janazah. 
He says, I was not lied to and I'm not lying to you. So the Hujjaj might have been in, might have reached Mecca already. But if I'm going to die, there's going to be a group of believers that's going to perform my janazah. And he uh, he's entering a state of unconsciousness and his wife is really disturbed and she runs out and she sees on the horizon some dust. And now she's excited and she sees a group of people coming and they stop outside seeing this lady in need and they ask her, oh servant of Allah, what, what is the problem? She says, I'm the wife of Abu Dhar. And they jump off their horses. They said, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raja'un. That is, you are our sister, our brother Abu Dhar. And it was none other than Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was the mufti of the Sahaba radiallahu anhu. So in the Khilafah of Sayyidina Uthman and Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab, he was the most senior, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In fact, he was one of the people that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave permission to give fatwa in the lifetime of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Sayyidina Uthman was in Mecca and there was a particular jurisprudic ruling which he required the advice of Ibn Mas'ud. So he sent a message to Medina See how Allah makes arrangements for Abu Dhar actually. So the mas'ala happens, there's a new matter which emerges and they need to solve it. So a message comes to Medina, to Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. If, you, if you're sitting, stand. If you're standing, start walking. If you're walking, get onto your, onto your horse and come. Don't bother about whether you will make it for hajj or not. Just come. And as he's coming, now he stops by the house of Abu Dhar radiallahu anh, And Sayyidina Abu Dhar is on his last. And... Uh, he looks at Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and they hug him and he's still speaking a little bit and he says to them, which one of you hasn't worked for the government yet? Now that wasn't a government with politics and dirty politics and all treachery and corruption. It was a, the Khulafa al-Rashidun, Sayyidina Uthman. So they said, no, this young man is a young boy, a student of Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anh. He was still studying. He said he hasn't had a post for the Khilafah yet. So he said, okay, he must make my Salatul Janazah. I don't want anybody who gets a salary to, to make my Salatul Janazah. He was strict even to the end. And uh, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, they, they smiled and they, they tolerated. They said, this is his view and this is not the time to, for argumentation. And uh, uh, then he, he passed away and he only had uh, very little with which he put aside. He said, whoever makes my ghusl, this is going to be the payment for the, the task. This is the jug they must use to, for the water of my ghusl. And after he is buried and they perform the Salatul Janazah and he's buried, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud says that his wife has prepared lots of food for them, for them at that time and also for their journey. So he said, oh servant of Allah, what are you doing? So she said that Abu Dhar, before he passed away, he said to me that ensure that my death does not become a means of you not serving those in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So she said, I prepared this, this meal because of my husband. So he, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud began to weep and he said, Oh Abu Dhar, you were generous in your lifetime and even after you died you were generous. So this is the enthusiasm with which we need to spend in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all tawfiq and uh, the ability insha'Allah to spend our wealth and our time for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين